0: Hi, this is Denna Hornby, and you're listening to The Calling, where we explore the lives of people who have been called to various types of ministries in their churches and in their communities. Today, we are here with Dr. Jim Batson, who is a pediatrician at Cookville Pediatric Associates.
1: Introducing you to local church and community leaders, The Calling.
0: Welcome, Dr. Batson.
1: Thank you, and thank you for having me.
0: How long have you been in Cookville?
1: Been in Cookville for 19 years. Started in uh July of nineteen
0: ninety nine. And did Cookville Pediatric Associates bring you to Cookville?
1: Uh yes, mainly. We we I trained at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City at Quillen College of Medicine. And after I finished my residency there, or as I was finishing, uh we were my wife and I were debating on where to, to practice and uh we were very close to Greenville, Tennessee. Okay. Uh, we're very close to the community, had rotated with a physician there. We had gotten to the point of drawing up a contract and picking out a house. Wow. We were that close. And uh, she decided, we. well, she mentioned that we might ought to look at something closer to home. I'm mm-hmm. originally from Clarksville. She's originally from Bowling Green. So we looked around, didn't find anything, and literally got out a map of Tennessee and walked and looked down I-40 and said, Cookville, small, college town. We stop at the Dairy Queen all the time.
0: Wow.
1: Let's give him a call. And she knew the librarian at Cookville Regional at the time, who knew Dr. Franklin was looking for a partner.
0: Wow. Set
1: up an interview, and here we are.
0: Sounds like a God thing.
1: I do believe. Yes. It
0: was do you a, consider medicine your calling?
1: I consider medicine my calling. I, I didn't know for a long time what exactly I wanted to do with it. I didn't know... I didn't grow up knowing I was going to be a pediatrician pediatrician or wanting uh, to be a pediatrician. I had it kind of in the back of my mind uh, most of my life growing up. Went to college with kind of an open mind and then fell into a a group of friends that were all gung-ho about medical school and, and so forth and started hanging out with them. And it kind of moved me in that direction, too.
0: What is your undergraduate degree in?
1: In biology.
0: That's helpful for medical school. Well,
1: helpful, but with a minor in philosophy.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Uh, which you can major now, or you can major or minor in anything now and get into medical school. There's no, you just have to. You have to take the courses required to do well on the MCAT, but they encourage you to major in anything to be more well-rounded.
0: Philosophy has a lot in common with theology. Are you interested in theology?
1: From a roundabout way, yes. Not, not deep. Deep-seated kind of things, but uh, uh, what's always fascinated fascinated me about uh, theology was <clears throat> how we got from how the Bible came to be. You know, right. uh, why why these texts versus the canonization? not these texts. Canonization and all that has always kind of fascinated me. You know, what what was the process that was that uh, elders and and uh, theologians went through at the time to to decide this is. Uh, worthy and and this is not
0: it's much like the process for medical school i can imagine there's much study involved what was the most challenging thing for you when you think back to those years in medical school
1: the most challenging as far as classes for me was anything that required any degree of math numbers was was never my strong suit Mm -hmm. luckily there was not that much math involved uh a lot of people describe medical school as it's the, the material's not that hard. It's just like drinking water out of a fire hose. <laughs> it's so much that comes at you so voluminously and quickly that it's it's tough. I, mm-hmm. I estimated that um, my senior biochemistry class in college, we went through the entire semester's course in about three weeks in it's medical a lot. school. So they, they try to get a lot in you. No doubt.
0: So explain the process of medical school. You go in as an undergraduate. You spend how many years studying? Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, Traditionally, you uh, go in right after your undergraduate, uh, you finish your undergraduate degree, and then typically it's four years of of medical school. The first Mm -hmm. two are focused mostly on clinical uh, uh, classroom type learning. Uh, that's changing, though. You get a little bit more clinical exposure than you did when I was uh, in medical school. And then third year is a lot of on the job training. You do the rotations okay. in the hospital and and uh, they they teach you kind of on the job. And then the fourth year is is great because it's all electives and vacation.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Uh, it's very, very, very nice. Uh and so you kind of pick what you, you have a better idea of what you want to do. So you pick things kind of closer to, to what you're thinking about. And then you go into residency, which is more intensive on-the-job training. Uh, it You can go anywhere from three years. I was uh, for general pediatrics. I went for three years at, at East Tennessee State. If you go into something like neurosurgery, right. you can be there five, seven more years. Many years, and, yes. Right. So if you go... All the way through school without taking any breaks, if you go to a three-year residency, you're about 29 when you get out. Wow. And then if you go into neurosurgery, extensive kind of training type uh, specialties, you could be in your mid-30s Sure. before you're on your own.
0: Was there anything other than pediatrics that tempted you for specialization?
1: No, not really. I I didn't like much else. (laughs) Uh, I kind of, by the end of, by about Well into my second semester of third year, I had about had it with adult patients. Okay. Um, Just the a lot of what you see in the adult world is what they've done to themselves. Okay. And they expect you to make them better or fix them. Right. Yet they won't change their lifestyle habits. Right. Or whatever is is – and that's a gross overgeneralization. But I just – I felt more called to the – Preventative side. Let's try right. to prevent the obesity. Let's try to sure. prevent the you know, beginning, uh, starting of smoking. Let's try to prevent all the things that lead you to where you don't want to be.
0: That sounds fascinating. I can imagine you have a lot of joy during your day as a pediatrician. Do you enjoy your time with the children?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, it, uh, it, the, the kids make it, to me, worth doing. I mean, it. A lot of people tell me, "How do you stand those screaming kids all day?" <laughs> and they're not all screaming all the time.
0: Uh, right. Only some when do, you give them obviously. shots.
1: Some do, uh, but a lot of times, especially when they get to the preschool years, uh, they're happy to be there. They're happy to see you. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's a lot of fun. You get to know the parents. Um, uh, you and and I had going through medical school and residency. I had much more of a knack with. Parents than I had with actual adult patients. Okay. Uh, especially the drug seekers. I, I never got that. There's a there's a special ability that adult doctors have to within a few seconds of them talking, they know they're 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 seeking drugs.
0: Their insight. I
1: never got that. Okay. I never that that never did come. Right.
0: <laughs> I'm Dena Hornby, and today we're talking with Dr. Jim Batson from Cookville Pediatric Associates. We'll be back in a moment. This is The Calling. We're back with Dr. Jim Batson. Dr. Batson, when you consider your faith and there's a moment when you're standing on the opposite side of an examination room door and there's a family on the other side of that door... And you know that you have to go into that room and deliver some tough news. How do you process that for yourself and how does your faith help you deliver that news?
1: When you're when you're outside that door and you're looking at the chart or whatever piece of information that, that you have that you have to convey to them, uh, you kind of mentally prepare. You take a step back. You rehearse a little bit about what. You're going to say, okay. put yourself in that person's shoes, and how would they want to hear it? You don't want to sugarcoat anything, but right. you don't want to leave anything out. It's a you want to give them as much hope as you can. In pediatrics, you know, you, those kind of diagnoses would be leukemia. Um, uh, uh, type one diabetes, maybe not death sentences necessarily, but things that are going to drastically change their life over right. the next, you know, the, the, their their life period for right. the rest of their life. Uh, so you try to say a little prayer, give yourself the strength to to go in there and do it, and sit down and do what you have to do to to get the point across without without uh, giving them false hope. Uh, also, you always have to remember that when somebody's getting bad news, all they hear is leukemia. I mean, right. it's womp, 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 leukemia, womp, 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 womp. You may have said the type of leukemia you have is 95% curable now, yes. like a, a ALL or acute lymphocytic leukemia. But that's not what they hear. All right. they hear is leukemia or cancer or sure. diabetes or whatever.
0: On the flip side of that, when you have some good news to share and you're enjoying your day with the children, do you ever play with them? Do you have any toys in the office that you might bring into the examination
1: room? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Quite a bit, especially if I know them pretty well. Right. Uh, I had a neighbor a few years ago. Well, actually, it was a few months ago um, with a little three-year-old that my daughters had had uh, uh, They're teenagers now, but they had babysat for her and and interacted with her quite a bit. And she came in for a checkup. And I have this little Yoda puppet. That I had when I was about ten, oh, and he was
0: wow. a hand
1: puppet, and he, he moves, and you can move his head and his hands. And I cracked open the door, and I just <laughs> stuck the puppet in, and started maneuvering the puppet, and started talking in a Yoda voice, and she just started screaming.
0: Oh, <laughs> she was afraid of she Yoda. She was afraid.
1: Yeah, she was afraid, afraid of it. Hey. The mother loved it. She I mean, she was all over it. But you, you just you never know sometimes how they're going to react.
0: What does Yoda say to the children?
1: uh it varies uh just sometimes it's as simple as hello or, or whatever I uh, heard you today but it just you never know sometimes how they're gonna react um it's but it's it's a lot of fun they they come up with the most interesting stories um I have a a quick little funniest if you've got time, I've got the funniest thing that's ever happened to me sure, and I'll probably never beat it. I was in a exam room with about a 10-year-old boy and his mother. And it was a cold or a respiratory infection, and we had gone through the motion of exam, and and, and I was explaining what, what kind of t- things to do. And I noticed the boy, he would look at me, and he would look at Mom. He would look at me, and he would look at Mom. And finally, he said, you know, Mom, why don't you ask him out? He looks halfway <laughs> intelligent. And I, I just I froze. I just absolutely froze and then went on, finished the visit, and i, I almost had to crawl to the lamp. I was <laughs> laughing so hard when I got out of the room.
0: That's hysterical. It's but, nice to know that you're halfway intelligent, according yeah, at to least a ten year old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you a Star Wars fan?
1: Yes, since way back.
0: Since you were a little child.
1: Since I was a little child, it came out when I was seven years old.
0: Do you have a favorite Star Wars character?
1: Oh, probably Yoda. I think Yoda is probably my favorite. Han Solo, a close second.
0: Okay.
1: Um, yeah. First, first time I went to see it when I was a kid, I didn't even, didn't even know what I was going to go see. Right. My brother was 11 years older than me, and he was almost out the door with his girlfriend oh. to go to the movies. And I heard in the back my mother yell, Bobby, take your brother. <laughs> no, no. <don't." laughs> Come on, Jimmy. So he grabs me, <laughs> and we go on. And it was, happened to be Star Wars, and it was just, it was life changing.
0: Do you have a favorite Star Wars movie?
1: Empire Strikes Back. I okay. think that's probably universal most people's favorite. Uh, it was the most critically, critically acclaimed, and uh, uh, it was just a it was a it broke the rule of of sequels. It was one of the first movies to break the rule of of the sequel is never as good as the first. Oh, okay. Godfather was was another one that okay. was, uh, in that in that genre as well. But rarely does a sequel outpace the first one. But that's one of the the few that does.
0: Now is that the one where they're on the planet Hoth? Yes. And Luke is in the unfortunate situation mm-hmm. of the what's the animal he's in?
1: The he well he gets attacked by a Wampa, and he gets hung up in his cave, and then he gets rest. Well, he rescues himself with his lightsaber, and then he goes. Han Solo finds him, and then. He cuts open the tauntaun and shoves him in there to keep him warm overnight.
0: Your patients must love that you know this.
1: (laughs) Yes, my wife, actually, uh, whenever the original Star Wars is on, I'll start quoting it. I mean, it's, and I can almost quote it throughout.
0: So you are a fan.
1: And she just, she has to leave the room.
0: Have you ever been to Skywalker Ranch?
1: Not been to Skywalker Ranch, but I have been to Rancho Obi-Wan.
0: And what is that?
1: Rancho Obi Wan is the is in Petaluma, California. It's a north. It's about an hour north of uh, San Francisco. It's owned by a guy named Steve Sansweet, who okay. has the world's largest private collection of Star Wars memorabilia. Oh my! In the Guinness Book of World Records, it is absolutely a treasure trove.
0: Is there a life-size Chewbacca there?
1: There is a life-size almost anything you want there. Wow! I mean, there's a life-size Lego Darth Vader. There are you know all the original. All the original uh, action figures, everything imaginable, weird stuff from all over the world. People wow. send him uh, – there's this There's this line of the, – these individuals made some uh, action figures called the Severed Limb Collection. Oh, my. It's got like Darth Vader's hand, Anakin Skywalker's hand, Luke Skywalker's hand, Dooku's head and hands. Wow. Uh, you know, That kind of thing all in a little package.
0: It's a good thing you have that anatomy history.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) So, Dr. Batson, at the end of a long, hard day, Mm -hmm. and you've had patients all day long, it's time to go home to your family. Mm -hmm. How do you detach from Dr. Jim at the office and become father and dad and husband at home?
1: Well, with teenagers now, it's pretty easy (laughs) because they... Do it themselves, right? <laughs> but when it, years ago, when they were younger, it's uh, you, you, you do have to go through that process. And I try to take the process of the the drive home, okay, as trying to kind of get the day out of my head so I can I, I could focus on them. Um, it it it's just it's a process. I mean, sometimes you take your day home, but most of the time you you try to leave it you try to leave it there. You learn from other people's mistakes. Sure. That you learn about from ways that they're raising them that are not the best way to be. Sure. And you you try to uh, focus on other ways to, to do the right thing.
0: I'm Dena Hornby, and this is The Calling. After a short break, more conversation with Dr. Jim Batson's motivational moment. Our guest today is Dr. Jim Batson, and he would like to share a motivational moment.
1: As a pediatrician, I spend much of my time warning of the trials and tribulations of adolescence. My favorite Bible verse is Romans 12:2. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I preach this verse to my preparation for adolescence class at First United Methodist Church. It's the Bible's best ad- admonition against peer pressure. Although middle school is arguably the worst age for it, it affects us throughout our lives. Teenagers are all about social awkwardness and feeling singled out. And by the way, the 1999 NBC TV show Freaks and Geeks is, in my opinion, the absolute best and most accurate portrayal of adolescent life ever put on screen. That was set around 1980. Today, social media has thrown gas on the fire of these sometimes agonizing years. Today's older teenagers are the first generation to spend their entire teen years on a smartphone. We are losing the ability to tolerate silence and engage in self-reflection. Face-to-face communication may be becoming a lost art. Adult life has similar challenges. Many find themselves lamenting how much time they spend engaging in online communication. The second half of Romans 12.2 is advising us to discern what is the will of God. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. Only when our mind is still and at peace are we even able to hear the Almighty. Obviously, distractions that interfere with our relationship with God are nothing new. That's the main reason that worshiping in a community of faith is so important. Community worship is essential to keep us accountable and grounded. Otherwise, our longing for any type of social connection to the point of obsession can seriously derail our walk with God. The great Christian writer and academic C.S. Lewis wrote, Nearly all that we can call human history is the long, terrible story of mankind trying to find something other than God which will make you happy. It seems there are certain teachings that are constant, from ancient biblical times through the present day, and even in C.S. Lewis's magical land of Narnia. Online options for obsession are just the latest in a long line of distractions. I pray that our hearts and minds are truly transformed by God.
0: This is The Calling. We're back with Dr. Jim Batson. Dr. Batson, we have the top five questions for you today, and you will have the opportunity for a free pass on one of them. Okay. Ready? Go. What's on your playlist?
1: A playlist, a lot of Beatles, uh, a lot of Leonard Um I'm kind of an old soul with yeah. music, classic rock, uh, not much new stuff. I always thought I'd never turn into my father, but it, it is slowly happening. Um, I just... Uh, I I go for the classics more than more than uh any, anything new. I, my my pop culture ended about 1992 <laughs> basically.
0: <laughs> I get that. <laughs> if there were a gag reel of your life, what would be on it?
1: A gag reel. Uh third year medical school would picked would be a lot of that. Remember how aw- in the show ER?
0: Yes. Remember
1: how awkward uh Dr. Carter was that first yes, year, his third year. That was basically me. That was the same year I was in third year medical school was that year it first came on. And so we I had a special affinity for that show because as we as we watched year to year, it was uh, he his career kind of mirrored my career as, oh, wow. as it went on. So third year medical school is a, is a particularly clueless time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if you were arrested for a crime, what would your family say that crime had been? Road rage. Really? Yep. No doubt. So if you could use the force, <laughs> what would you use the force to do?
1: To as I mentioned in the devotional, uh to get people off of their devices. <laughs> that that would be my main my main force power, I think would be to to shut down their devices.
0: Nice. Okay, and if there were a movie of your life, who would you want to play that part?
1: Ooh. Um Ooh. Probably Harrison Ford
0: nice, Han Solo right, is the Han new Solo. Dr. Batson, mm-hmm. okay, <laughs> and ending the questions, okay. what's the cleanest joke you know?
1: ooh I'll have to be, <laughs> that'll have to be my pass i am the I'm the world's worst at 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 coming up with jokes on the spot. I'm <laughs> absolutely horrible at it
0: I'm going to give you this one. you could tell it to your pediatric patients okay. What happens to a frog's car when it breaks down what it gets towed away.
1: Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> <Love it.
0: laughs> Thank you Dr. Batson for sharing your story today on the calling.
1: You're very welcome. Thanks for having me.